Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about suffering, pain, and uh, maybe a significant perspective shift on dealing with and processing pain, suffering, uh, disappointments. Yeah, it's going to be a real fun one. It is. It's, it actually is. We're, <laughs> we're going to anchor in a Stephen Colbert interview with Anderson Cooper. That's gotten a lot of publicity and has some thought-provoking ideas in it. Yeah. Awesome. So before that, though, it's story time. And today, John, you're up. My turn for a story. A few weeks ago, I told a what I thought was a self-deprecating story, <laughs> but apparently it wasn't good enough. It was not embarrassing enough to be self-deprecating. So I, I brought a real... In fact, you were witty and funny. You were the hero of that story. Yeah, but... If it's my story, I'm the hero of every story, even if I'm a real... Are you the hero of the one you're about to tell? I'm the main character. I don't know if I'm the hero or not. Okay. Well, let's let's hear it. (laughs) All of them are funny, by the way. You're never not going to laugh at my self-deprecating stories. Okay. Whether you think they make me look good or not, that's subjective. True. I agree. Okay. Another Northwest story. They were rowdy years. I got lots of stories. (laughs) So... uh, Something or other, we were in the dorms, not the dorms, as I said last time. We're in the dorms. And uh, someone, there were fresh brownies or fresh cookies. I don't quite remember. I think it was cookies. They were giving out free cookies in the lounge. And they? Who's they? I don't remember. Sometimes brownies on a college campus cannot be okay. trusted. It wasn't questionable. It was probably cookies then, because I didn't even think about that. You never, it never crossed your mind? No. And I had my fair share, and I felt no after effects. So. <laughs> Okay. Whatever they well, were. that's good. So they were safe cookies yeah. and uh, chocolate chip variety? Probably. I mean, yeah. So so the whole point of this is that afterwards, one of my buddies said, let's go to the student like coffee shop, the, yeah. the Airy, yeah. and get cups of milk. Cups of milk cups to go with your cookies? For the cookies, yeah. Okay. And so we're uh, it's not a far walk from the dorm, and we're you know talking, I wonder if they even will give us a cup of milk or what that's going to cost. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And we get up there, and this is this is pre-Lindsay. This is my very first oh. semester at Northwest. And there's this barista, baristas, who is... No, is, wait. A, a female barista is a barista? No, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> I keep learning words from you in every episode, so I just want to, you know, this is good for me to... I'm glad I asked. I yeah. would have used that yeah. word <laughs> and got myself in trouble. Okay, so, yeah. so there's a barista there. There's a barista there. Of the female variety. Of the female variety. And, uh... And I figure I'm a I'm a young man. I'm gonna flirt with this lady. <laughs> a particular skill you have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a silver tongue. You no, know? I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we get up there, and uh, my buddy asked for a cup of milk, and uh, I didn't want one. We were we were there for him, and uh, but I'm I'm talking to this woman. I was you know I, I said like, is this something that happens a lot? <laughs> you know, do people come up and ask for cups of milk? And she says, uh, she says, well, you're not the first, but it's not very, not very often. And, uh, I said, uh, I said, um, do they ask for like warm cups of milk and ask you to tuck them in at night? (laughs) (laughs) I think you crossed a line. Well, the joke was that in my head was that these freshmen would come up who would mess home. Yeah. And they want, you know, like a bedtime story. Well, yeah, because as you were, as you were say, as she said, you know, it's not when you said you asked her, is this common? 
my comeback, if I were her, would have been on high school visit weekends. It right, is. You exactly. Know, the kids, when the kids visit. And that was the emotional one. Is like, we're asking for a cup of milk? Right. Like, how old are we? Right. And so that was the joke. But, but you just kind of yeah. stumbled over the delivery there. And, uh, and she didn't say anything, which is way worse than anything she could have said. <laughs> and then my buddy uh, just kind of like is in disbelief and gets his cup of milk and just leaves. And I follow him out. And I never saw her again. And then uh, uh, that was in December, probably. And the following January, started hanging out with Lindsay. And we were dating in March. March, March, sometime in March. I'm not going to, I'll probably get the number wrong. But yeah, the rest is history. Did Lindsay give you a warm cup of milk and tuck you into bed? Nope. Still not? Not until You've been not married until a year honeymoon. now. Oh, the honeymoon she did. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Man, we're going to go off a cliff here with what we mean by a warm cup of milk, apparently. so. Well, let's... it caused me enough trouble already in the first time I used it. <laughs> but I meant it very literally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was my brief stint in dating. Lindsay didn't take a whole lot of courting. She... Uh, she was already buying what I was selling. So, well, you know, when you were young, you mm-hmm. said to mom, "I'm worried that I'll be able to find a wife." I, I think you were 11, <laughs> and she said, "Don't worry, she'll find you." And yeah. that's what kind of happened. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So, um, introduce this subject, John, with the with the Colbert and Anderson Cooper interview, and what grabbed you about that. And yeah. let's set up this conversation. So that was the story of my suffering. So we'll. we'll <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, man. I'm kidding. So, uh, this, I, uh, Anderson Cooper's a little divisive, or I mean, uh, sorry. And, well, he is. Stephen Colbert's a little divisive, um, because he, uh, is a professing Catholic and, uh, and not just, you know, not for appearances. He seems to really take it seriously. Oh, he's very serious about very serious. his faith. Yeah. Um, but in, you know, contemporary America, you can't be, a Christ follower and a Democrat, and he's very much a Democrat and very much a Catholic. Now, hold so on, hold on. You just made a ridiculous statement. I, I was saying the ridiculous statement. I'm not professing it. I'm okay. That's well, the, I just want to be really clear okay. on this podcast that you, in fact, can be you can. a Christ follower and a Democrat. I'm saying he's divisive because a lot of people feel that way. Yes. So, again, I want to make sure we frame <laughs> this accurately because this is no small thing for us old guys. Okay. So... We lived in Montana, as you know, mm-hmm. and there was a man in our church who's really conservative, which is not uncommon in, in Montana. Montana. Yeah. And, um, man, he just would lambast Democrat Republicans. I mean, Democrat uh, politicians. Mm-hmm. He felt no. Bill Clinton? I don't remember who, who it was because um, it's been uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So whoever that was. It would have been Clinton, yeah. And he just, I mean, just mean kind of talk. And I asked him one day, do you think it's possible to be a Christian and a Democrat? And he thought for two and a half minutes, which is an eternity when you're in a conversation. (laughs) And then he said, I would have to concede that that is theoretically possible. Wow. Yeah. So this is why I'm sensitive to your your joke, because it is... I know lots of Jesus-loving Democrats. It's for the best that you're being careful. In my mind, it was a ridiculous enough statement that you would assume I was, I was, just, I was being satirical. Well, yeah, but I know people for whom they would say, well, you're dang right, that's right. <laughs> okay. Stephen Colbert, point being, 
very much a Democrat, very much Catholic. Catholics are even divisive among uh, American evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he had this interview, and uh, uh, Stephen Colbert, for those who don't know, when he was 10 or 11, uh, his he's the youngest of 11 kids. And his, uh, yeah, his dad and two of his brothers died in a uh, plane crash when, oh, he was, wow. when he was 11. And uh, so that was a, a huge deal. It was him and his mom. And a lot of the kids by that time, because he's the youngest, were older. So it, was, it wasn't the oldest kids, but it was the oldest kids in the house at the time. So really it was just Colbert and his mom after that. And, uh, and then a few years ago, or maybe more recent than that, maybe last year or earlier this year, um, Anderson Cooper's uh, mom passed away. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were talking about a lot of stuff. It was a long interview, and uh, and Colbert it kind of goes towards towards grief, and uh, Cooper brings up this quote that uh, Stephen Colbert had, and uh, I think it was when uh, he had this interview with maybe some magazine when he was starting his new show. So he did the Colbert Report for a long time, right? And then was starting the Tonight Show, and uh, or the Late Show. There's so many his night show yeah and uh it was this long piece and he and he said this but he said uh he brings up his his father's passing his brother's passing and how it kind of shaped his whole life and he says that he learned to be grateful for the thing that he most wishes did not happen uh and then he said what punishments of god are not also gifts or thereabouts yeah so i want to i want to hear these again get them in my head in my heart so yeah uh, he has learned to be grateful for the things he most wish didn't happen. Yes. That's really an amazing thought. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's, uh, I think he's younger than you or about your age, but so 11 was a long time ago, but that's still, you know, that's a, that's a loss. That's it's a life shaping thing. Yeah. That's a, you never recover from that. You, ne- yeah. you know, you adjust and you grow, but mm-hmm. you never forget. Yeah. And, uh, so he later said that that was actually the part about the punishments of God, uh, what, what punishments of God are not gifts. That's a quote from, uh, Tolkien, uh, another, uh, uh, high profile Catholic. But, uh, the, it was, it was really an incredible moment. And the reason it, it struck me, and I think it struck a lot of people, uh, in and out of the, you know, Christian sphere, mm-hmm. uh, is just how, uh, raw it was for two very public figures. Um, and for Christ followers, it's, it's a big deal because he, um, he's attributing to God yes. this process, even his gratitude and his engagement with his grief. Yeah. And later on, he, he, uh, says that the, that everyone suffers and that, uh, the amazing thing about God is that God suffers with us, with Jesus. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the miracle. That's the gift is that we're not alone, even as far as God is concerned, that yeah. he too suffers. So. Yeah. And he's, you know, that's national TV to Anderson Cooper. They didn't edit it out, which is great. He's mm-hmm. just talking about Jesus on mm-hmm. on television. So it's it's uh, it was a, a very um, kind of cool moment in a vacuum. It's just a very cool thing that happened. Yeah. But what do you think about those? What do you think about that attitude, that statement? Well, let's take them one at a time because I mm-hmm. uh, I've learned to be grateful for the things I most wish did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I yeah. thought about you in this. So my joke earlier that the story was me suffering, that's a half joke because I've had a very cush lifestyle. Uh, I have not suffered a lot. In these conversations, I don't have a lot to say. Mm. And uh, I've had bad times, obviously. I haven't just been on cloud nine this whole time, but I've always, never I've never had anyone uh, inordinately close to me die, save for um, grandparents who it's 
you know. Well, let's try it this way. It's less had, of a robbery. At that have point. you had things occur that you wish did not happen? Oh, yeah. Can you think of one or two? Well, wish did not happen. That's different because, so like the move to Washington was very hard for me. Mm. But I, I, of course, don't wish, I, I don't wish it didn't happen. Um, yeah, but that's a good point. That's a, that's a thing that at the time you wished wasn't happening. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not really in the game of, of, um, you know, I do say what if a lot as far as the future is concerned. I don't really think about, I don't wish things didn't happen in general. Even Yeah, so you, when you say what if, it's not like what if that didn't happen. Right. It's, it's what, always it's, what if this is going to happen. Right. So, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, it made me think about you uh, because you lost your dad at a younger age. And it was also the event that uh, brought you and all of your family to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a very, it ended up, if you're playing the long game, a, a net gain. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, at the time, you know, I was 16 years old. I was not a believer when my dad died. Mm-hmm. I was the last family member not to be at that point. And so I didn't have the sense of God's nearness to me at his funeral. Mm-hmm. Sitting by his bed as he took his last breath, I did not feel the presence of God. So those are things now I have felt as I've sat by people who died. Sure. Um, and I went into some real personal struggle. It was a short time because I came to faith two weeks later, Mm -hmm. but in that two weeks was a lot of travail. Uh, so, um, I'm a word guy and, and the quote is I've learned to be grateful for the things I wish did not occur. Yeah. And I would, I would tweak that a hair. I've learned to be grateful in the things that I wish did not occur. There are some things I'm still not grateful for. Sure. So that may be splitting hairs and that's probably what he meant. I don't think he would be grateful for the death of his dad and brothers. Right. But he's learned to be grateful in them and for the outcomes that God had demonstrated his nearness through that and the redemptive power, the beauty actually you know, one of the things I love about life is that it is it is incredibly hard. There's no one for whom life is easy. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to look at other people and go, man, they got it made. Yeah. But life is not easy for anyone. But in life's difficulty, in its pain, in its failures, mm-hmm. there is beauty in all of it. And even in our pain, there is a, there's a, weird beauty even in pain itself for example you can't you can't have a broken heart if you've never felt love sure so the fact that your heart is has the capacity to be broken is a beautiful thing and even the you know the, the fact that things end the fact that that things can't go on forever in our in our current existence makes them more uh, valuable yes you yes know, if you just had uh constant access to a sunset whenever you wanted it wouldn't be mm-hmm. as beautiful as the sunset is. i was talking to a guy today and and he said you know i don't know if i won't find out i have i could die of cancer in, in three weeks um and that makes you appreciate man live now the mm-hmm. beauty of life value it don't live for the future because the future is not promised live now and so there's even beauty in that so uh, I, I, I'm I trying to think if there's anything I wish didn't happen. 
Oh, I've I've viewed this in kind of a utilitarian sense. So neither of them said it this way, Anderson Cooper or uh, Colbert. Forgot to mention Cooper's dad also died around the same time, mm. ten or eleven, I think. Um, but that was the, the more of his examples were about his his mom. But uh, um, in my head, I was thinking that you a lot of these um extraordinary from just an even just an objective sense these men who are uh, very high profile um very impactful mm-hmm. um a lot of people in their positions suffered uh early hardships like yeah. this yeah you know uh even it, not just the, you know through history this is this is the case so i wonder if stephen colbert is, is who he is if that never happened and i don't know if that's what he's saying he's grateful for but but in my head i think that that might have been even uh, catalytic to this or a catalyst to this. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think you're definitely right that um, you can't remove that piece of his development and he's Mm -hmm. still the same guy Yeah, because it is part of your development. And for some people who who get stuck in their pain, who instead of getting better, grow bitter, Mm. um, it's inextricably attached to that too. So, you know, uh, one of the things I love is the idea that the problem is not what happens to you. The problem is what you do with what happened to you. Right. And uh, I think there's a ton of power in that. And so if you get stuck in your pain, it, it, it holds you prison. But if you, if you make it through and it is a process, you know, there's stages of grief that they have identified. These things happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so you work this, you, you go through the stages and you keep moving forward and you, from the Tom Hanks movie, you know, Sleepless in Seattle, you breathe in and you breathe out. And someday I'm going to be able to breathe without thinking about it. Hmm. Um, you know, that's that's how hard it gets. But that that builds something in you, even the awareness that I can survive. Yeah. I become a person who can survive this. This didn't kill me. And there's a there's a, a growth in that. Yeah. And it was kind of, uh, I don't know the it, went, it was a huge interview. It went on for 40 minutes. I'm, I might have already said that, but uh, part of it, he said that uh, his mother, because they were all Catholic, he said would pray to uh, Mary and, and talk to her because, uh, and whether, you know, that's a whole other sure. bag of worms, but <laughs> uh, because she too had lost a son yeah. and knew what that was like. So yeah. uh, his, She found comfort in that concept. Yeah, yeah. and clearly uh, they had a foundation, you know, like... like Both of these men, you mean? Or, or no, uh, um, Colbert and his mom. Oh, okay. Or her specifically. Cause yeah. What kind, you know, it takes an extraordinary 11 year old to sure, have a deep sure. relationship with God. But, um, in, in even just the sense of your walk with God, it seems like this is a, a, um, a calcifying agent. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, uh, it's like the faith of that works in a sense. It's that, it's that, how can you know how you really feel until it is, until it is, uh, tested mm-hmm. or put into action? Um, I don't know. Do, do you, do you follow? Does that I do. Sense? I do. You know, um, there are people who, um, so here, here's the way I would say this. God is so good at his redemptive work that you can, you, it, it's so beautiful that you think this must have been the plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. So uh, in marriages, I've seen couples who uh, marriage was, you know, a six out of 10. Sure. And one of them had an affair <clears throat> and the thing blew up and they almost didn't make it. 
but it pushed them to decide, we really do love each other. We want this marriage to work. Now, instead of holding back and withholding from each other, they walk in full transparency. They learn a deeper level of intimacy than they've ever known because they're not going to hide from each other and they're not going to uh, play games. They're going to mm-hmm. really be real. And man, they they discover this amazing depth of love for each other. And I've heard them say, uh, I am thankful for that affair. I don't know that we could have gotten here if that affair never happened. Wow. I think that might have been God's idea. And this is where man. I go, well, wait a second. <laughs> <That's tough. laughs> Clearly, it's better for a marriage to never have to overcome adultery. Yeah. But God is so good at taking the broken glass of your life and making stained glass beauty that you can think, this is what he had in mind. Mm-hmm. And I love that about God, that He that his redemptive power is that beautiful and that uh, that powerful. So, so that brings us to the second, the, the, the quote, the Tolkien quote, yeah. which for me is the more challenging of the two, the, um, uh, what, what punishments of God are not gifts. So mm-hmm. that implies in this context, two things that the, the loss of his father and brothers was a punishment from God, mm-hmm. but also that the punishments of God are gifts. Yeah. Uh, first one I have more of an issue with, but we talked last week about, uh, or I believe it was last week where, you know, um, a loving parent disciplines their child. Yes. Uh, so in that in that sense, it is a gift that that God cares enough to punish. To punish. Yeah. I I guess if that in the context of this quote, how do you feel about the quote in general? Well, uh, I'm curious how you feel about it. Well, I just I just said it. I'm, I'm I I view it with trepidation. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I love I love the commitment of the quote. Yes. I love the the. Um, God can be trusted no matter what. Yes, exactly. I love that the for the forfeiting of your of your um, you know wisdom. Uh, I love that, but uh, there is a lot to it that that gives me pause. Yeah, me too. And I'm a word person, so uh, the word punishment. I start mm-hmm. there. What punishments of God? Uh, punishment is from the word punitive, hmm. and so when you punish someone, it is a it is a punitive act to make them pay for their failure. Sure. Whereas discipline is corrective. It is developmental. Gotcha. So we put people in prison. We called them uh, the Department of Corrections. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But they're not providing any correction. They're purely providing punishment. And so um, this is one of the things for me that's uh, not a small thing that God, I don't believe God punishes. I believe God disciplines. Hmm. And that's a broad statement, so I might not mean it as broad as that just sounded. But sure. when I, as it pertains to this quote, uh, what disciplines of God? <laughs> I would like that better. But even even in the context of the of the incidences of the, of the catastrophes, I don't know if I would call those corrections either. Yeah, because they applied the quote to the death of their parents, right, or their or his siblings. Yeah, and so then is their death an act of God, which is what. They're applying that quote. And this is where you're tripping up. Yeah. That, Does that's, God kill people? Right. I don't <laughs> As believe, a form of punishment. Right. Right. I don't believe he does. Yeah. And and Tol- and Tolkien's quote, what punishments of God are not what? Gifts. Gifts. And so he's talking about a, a punishment God gives to me 
turns out to be a gift to me. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's what you would th- think. That I mean, yeah, I probably should. I bet you it's part of a larger quote. Yeah. So that in, in this thought is the death of my dad, a punishment of me. That's another. And one thing, one thing child psychologists will tell you, children will blame themselves if their parent abandons them. If a child is two years old and their parent abandons them, they will always wonder what was wrong with me that made them leave. Sure. So um, I, I want to make sure that we even touch on that. There's no way that your dad's death is a punishment on you. Right. So that's interesting. So um, just I'm, I'm just peeling apart the layers. Yeah, of this. I always the, I because I used to get in these kinds of mind games, not where I actually believed that would happen, but. You know, just because it's how it's how my mind my, my mind works, I'm sure it's how a lot of others do too. Where um, I'm I'm performing quote unquote poorly as a Christian. I'm not you know managing my sin behavior right. well, and I think, oh well now, you know my parents could die in a car accident. <laughs> but if they couldn't, if I was you know, oh right right, you could uh, you could at least reduce the risk right. if you were walking the line exactly. But I realized that and now. Did you that, have this co- thought consciously very often? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say very often. It's kind of it's one of those memories that exists in a vacuum. I can't really place it in a time yeah. era. But uh, my thought there was always that that kind of separates. That's a very uh, 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 you centered view. It is. It's a yeah. And so if you think, what if uh, what if I died in a car accident and then I got to heaven and God said, yeah, it's because your uh, your buddy was sinning too much. Well, then kill him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like what? So I don't think if you think about your personal relationship with God and he wouldn't necessarily do that to you, you yeah. can't really expect that yeah. he would to anyone else. Yeah. That's how that was my personal rationalization. Of well, I, man, um, as is always the case in our conversations, there's nine ways we could go with this conversation, <laughs> which is one of the things I love. But it makes me concerned for our listeners if, sure. if we're too broad. So um, I, I do want to mention that. Part of why a lot of young adults are deconstructing their faith is thinking patterns like the one you just mentioned occurred to you, at least at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. If I'm bad at sin management, bad things could happen. And, you know, the the enormous weight of my sin management skills Mm -hmm. and um, a lot, you know, as you mature in your faith, you realize sin is a symptom and God's not wrapped around the axle on the symptom. He's concerned about the state of your heart and your relationship with sure. him, your love for others. So your sin bothers him because it hurts you, because it hurts others, because it's a contaminant, a destructive thing to the beauty of what God has in mind mm-hmm. for you. Uh, but he's not freaking out. Oh, no, John looked at porn. <laughs> you know, the world's going to end. I'm going to I'm going to react. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not God. <clears throat> and so. Part of me wants to apologize to you that you would have a thought like that as your dad and as your pastor. I'm curious where in our faith structure do we get thoughts like that? It may just be organic to you. Yeah, if I can speak to a person, I don't think you have anything to apologize for. And I think there's no accounting for that. That's one of the reasons I'm terrified to have kids. I know there are certain things that are uh, more or less, I don't like using absolute statements, but I'd say 100% likely to happen. And is that your kids are going to go through really <laughs> stupid phases mm-hmm. and there's nothing you could do about it. Right. right there's right, not absolutely right, nothing. Right. 
and you could try and squeeze tighter and they'd probably go through even more stupid phases. Yeah. So uh, I wouldn't take any credit for that. I'm sure that was either human nature well, or my own. That be that be what it may. So um, back on the topic. Mm-hmm. So what punishments of God are not gifts? Your worry with that is that death of someone is attached to punishment. So that's a hurdle for you. Is there another well, hurdle? Yeah. So my bigger hurdle that was that was only in the in the talk of um, the children feeling um, responsible or. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or or does God punish you by killing people? That was more to that. Okay, I don't struggle with that. Okay, uh, my bigger struggle is that I have a, um, not crippling but a very persistent fear of uh, the pain itself, the mm-hmm. pain of suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I that that reading scripture, Jesus himself was, if not scared, very uh, hesitant to feel the ultimate pain of his of his death. Yeah, it it freaked him out. And uh, in, that's him with a with a, a more or less complete understanding of of what was going to happen. I mean, he had clear vision of where he, where the third day was going to go. Right, and he still, you know, was was, oh. was sweating blood. The agony, yeah, the agony, not just of nails being driven through your body, but the torture, the torment, the whippings, the spitting in your face, the public humiliation and how those hours must have just crawled by don't you know and even you know that god turned his back on him on the cross because Mm -hmm. he he represented sin itself yeah there's a ton there yeah so for me the the pain of of the suffering yes i have um enough faith to where death doesn't really scare me i say that now i haven't Mm -hmm. faced it you know in the eyes i haven't been uh close to death but um but what really scares me is the pain. And so when I think of catastrophes and losing, you know, uh, anyone close to me, particularly, you know, now that I, the older you get, I feel like the more intensely intimate relationships you have, right. your wife and then your kids and uh, just the more people you know for longer periods of time. So when I think, you know, with something happening to Lindsay, I would honestly rather die. I would rather just, because then, then what? I'm in, I'm in eternity and all the other suffering of the earth goes slow. Which is the, quick. which is, uh, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And what I understand is I process that myself because mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I recognize that that is laziness and cowardice and selfishness, probably. Yeah, that's a given. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but but uh, the reason I don't want to go through it mm-hmm. is because I'm lazy and I'm coward. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the truth about us is you are way stronger than you think you are. You can go through more than you think you can. You can do more than you think you can, and you can be more than you think you can. So one of the surprises that suffering uncovers is you realize that. And you attribute a lot of that to the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And I made it. And so there's a, there's this um, this fear. What if I can't make it? What if, I, what, what if Lindsay dies and I can't recover? Mm-hmm. What if I can never love again? What if I can never function again? What if I want to stay in bed the rest of my life and there's a fear of that or just the sheer pain of the loss uh so it's 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 lazy i've recognized in my own self on the issue of uh suffering and difficulty is mm-hmm. that i'm just lazy i just want the short path i want the sure. easy path and uh without fail in my life and i think this is what these guys are hitting on mm-hmm. without fail in my life the harder the path and the more intense the struggle, 
the more beautiful the fruit, the more sweet the fruit of that was. Hmm. And so, um, so the, give me the quote again, the, the full thing, the God, the God punishment quote, uh, what punishments of God are not gifts. Yeah. That, uh, so now we just get to the gift part mm-hmm. that, that, uh, making it through suffering is an incredible gift because you are stronger. If you want to work, if you want to get stronger physically, you're going to have to do resistance training. You're going to have mm-hmm. to move some weight around. You're going to have to push your body to some limits. This is how your body grows and it's how we grow. Uh, nobody becomes great by pampered, wealthy catering. Mm-hmm. They become great through the fire. And so these are gifts from God, even though in the garden they wouldn't, they weren't supposed to be there. And in heaven, apparently they won't be there. This is part of what makes me wonder about heaven. Yeah. How can eternity be beautiful and awesome forever when there's no tension in the story? Well, maybe, uh, you know, should we should we get there and and learn the truth of things if we ever do? Um, you know, maybe the the crucible that was Earth makes eternity infinitely more sweet. That could be, yeah. I don't know, but. Uh, well, let's take a commercial break here, yeah. and then and then we'll go to our. And, well, and, I, and I'm seeking answers. I want I want help with the pain thing. How to how to not obsess over it? Because you become obsessed. You it's no, that it's, it's hard to leave behind. It's, it's hard that to, anxiety created yeah, for you. Yeah, it's hard not to, that it, that it, to not get a jump and get me in the head. So as if this is father and son conversations, I would like us to go back to there if that's all right. Okay. But, but first, commercial uh, break. yeah, do do the commercial for us while I sort out what you're asking there and see if I can have a thought for you. So upstream is a is our podcast. Obviously, you listen to that, uh, but it's part of JimandJohn.com. And what we want to do is, uh, as we talked about last week, uh, there's a lot of Christians who have hit a wall, uh, and it might not have even been that dramatic of a wall. They might have just kind of slowed to a halt with uh, work life disappointments and uh we think there's a lot of those people and we've both been those people Mm -hmm. and uh, we want to help those people Mm -hmm. so that's the whole point of jim and john's whole point of upstream and uh that's our mission and uh we uh are on patreon.com it is a crowd funding uh resource Mm -hmm. uh and if you like that mission and if you think we can do it then if you could check that out and see if you want to be a partner with us, yeah. give us a, any amount of money a week or a month could be $1 um, to support that mission. Mm-hmm. And there are goals on there to, uh, uh, you know, incentives. And, and as you give more, there are more uh, benefits. Uh, but really it is, if you support the mission, uh, then that's there for you to consider. So uh, if you can't support us or, uh, or however that works, uh, obviously no problem at all. We love that you're listening uh, to us and, uh, what you could do for us is check out our social media. Uh, we have an Instagram, a Twitter and a Facebook through, uh, my dad's Instagram through Jim lad, uh, or, or Facebook through Jim lad. So, uh, Instagram is at Jim and John. Twitter is at Jim and John one. Uh, and all of those, no are, H in the John, no H in Ever. John. Yeah. And uh, all that's available on our website where we have a blog uh, and, uh, you can see our, uh, book that we wrote there. Yeah. And I would say, even if you're going to do just one thing for us today, and we kind of change this every podcast, if you're going to do one thing for us today, email us. We'd love to hear from you. Info at Jim and John.com. 
Tell us what you think. Tell us how to make the podcast even better for you. And give us some topics you'd like to discuss or a question you'd like us to answer. Yeah. That'd be a great gift. Just so we feel like we're not just shouting into the void. (laughs) That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. So you you said, hey, Dad, help me out. I'm your son, and I'm terrified of the pain of suffering. Yes. And and it and it can be sometimes debilitating to you. Like you'll lose sleep over that. No, I never lose sleep over anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. It is a good yeah. thing. Um, what really? Because because normally with the whole suffering thing, I yeah. can I can intellectually get to the point where I'm where I'm thinking long term, and I can reconcile the the reality of suffering yeah. and and the fact that we even have to suffer even with a benign God. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the actual minutia of it. Yeah. Of getting that phone call and then having to you have know, your world spin around and still go to work, you know, stuff like that. So that that yeah. the actual instances um, mm-hmm. are impossible, seemingly impossible for me to to um, come to terms with to even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I got acquainted with death early in life mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid. So I was uh, 12. My sister was 10. And our neighbor two doors down, Billy Bailey, uh, was was ten, mm-hmm. and we were all good friends. And um, they had actually decided to go steady. <laughs> oh, your sister <laughs> at 10. and yeah. Billy Bailey. Her and Billy, and because uh, I remember, you know, in those days, guys would have uh, bracelets with their names on them. These chain, yeah, you know, chrome or uh, uh, huh. either silver or gold bracelets. It was a thing, and uh, so. A guy, when he would go steady with a girl, would give her his bracelet. Oh, it's like he. And like so now his, his name's on her yeah, wrist. She's you know, his kind of property thing. now. Well, that's, yeah, let's not go there. But <laughs> so uh, Billy asked her, you know, hey, you want to go steady? And she's like, well, what are you going to give me? And he said, well, I don't know. Let me go home and see what I got. <laughs> and he came back. This is no joke. He came back with a can of fishing worms. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and he said, well, you be my girl. I'll give you my fishing worms. Wow. She said, okay. And so <laughs> she planted the worms in our flower bed. And uh, they were going steady. Well, not long after that, he was killed in a car accident. He's riding his bicycle oh, in the alley behind our house. And a Volkswagen bug with six high school kids in it was flying up the alley. Whoa. Billy turned a blind corner on his bike, and they hit him. And Billy's dad was standing right there and saw the whole no thing. No way. So right away, you know, I'm like just tossed into this as a 12-year-old about the brevity of life and how does a kid get killed. And I I heard the sirens. I was at our house. And so I hopped on my bike and rode toward the sirens mm-hmm. and saw them put his body in the in the ambulance. And his blood is all over the ground. It just was an unforgettable thing. Man. Uh, then my grandfather died seemingly right after that. It seemed like I just had like lots of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I meet my wife, Sue, who, like you, has never had that kind of thing happened. Right. No divorces, no cancers, no deaths. And so, um, you know, you know, I also had my dad die when I was 16. So I'm, this is all getting me to a point here, John, that, that you won't know, you can't know until you, until it happens to you with your mom. I used to really be petrified as her parents continued to age. What is going to happen to her when one of them dies? Hmm. Because she had thought like you, I won't survive that. Like, I can't even imagine that. Right. And I couldn't imagine it for her. And I'd been through it. <laughs> right. And so 
as it's interesting as I've thought raising five kids and I've thought about my own death, I know because I was the kid, you're going to be okay. I, I have no doubt. Like if I, whenever I die, my kids are going to be fine because I made it. They're going to make it. God's going to show himself. I love the passage of scripture. He is a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. This is the intimacy God brings in our grief. Hmm. And it's an amazing thing. I experienced it. It's amazing. I know that God will do that for my kids. So I've never wondered, could my kids handle it if I die? Sure. But I did wonder, can Sue handle it if her parents die? <laughs> and I was petrified. And now she's lost both of her parents. And the way she navigated those was beautiful to me. Amazing. Hmm. Her grief is very real. It still hits her at times. Even now, it's been, you know, several years for dad, a couple years for mom. And it still hits her. Yeah. Um, but man, she's making it. And she handled it more powerfully, gracefully, beautifully than I ever dreamed. Hmm. You're just not going to know yeah. until you go through it. You can't prepare yourself for it. You can't say, well, this is how I'll, this is what I'll do. Sure. You know, I, game plan. I have, I have actually thought, what will I do if Sue dies? You know, 70% of, uh, 70% of the time the husband dies before the wife. Mm-hmm. So she's always assumed she's going to have to deal with my death. But I have, I have teasingly said, I'm going to outlive her. I, it's my goal. I'm competitive. So now I just want to outlive her yeah. even by an hour, just so I can say I did. Uh, <laughs> but I've played around with, you know, what would I do? I've been married 35 years with this woman. She's the love of my life. She's my very best friend. What would I do if she died? Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I'd get on a, I'd get on a cruise. I'd, I would disappear. <laughs> yeah. Not to go pick up chicks. No, but that to me, but I, I would, thought about it Yeah, when we were on our cruise. Yeah. To me, being on a cruise boat alone has to be. It'd be like the, the epitome of loneliness. Yeah. That could ever happen. To yeah. So maybe I'd just go to a beach, but I would, I would, I would go away where nobody knew me. Mm. And I think the reason for that is so I wouldn't have to tell the story over and over and over again. Oh. People say, how are you doing? How are you doing? Yeah. I would want to run from that. Okay. This again is my laziness. Um, anyway, I have no idea what I would do, Yeah, but because I've been acquainted with some suffering, I do know I'd be okay. It's not, it's not romantic to tell your wife, you know, I'll be okay when you die, (laughs) (laughs) but I do know I would be okay because Hmm. God will see to it. I'm okay. And I have the beauty of community as well. I have my kids who would help me be okay. And I have my brothers and sisters in Christ who would help me be okay. I got my buddy, you know, a couple of buddies. They would help me be okay. So I know I'd be all right. And you will too. But you won't know it until you actually do it. Well. So I don't know if that helps you. No, that that was great. I think really what it is is there's only so much you could say because really what I want to hear is it's not going to happen. And that's not true. Yeah. So. Yeah, I could lie to you. Yeah. You I have said. To, I've said to Sue many times. Would you just lie to me? <laughs> Tell me I'm amazing. Just, just lie to me. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't do anybody any no, good. No. But, um, I mean, that's great advice because there's really, what I took from that is, no amount of of my concern is going to do anything anyway. It is a waste of energy because a. You can't control if or when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're wasting a ton of valuable time and energy, you know, dreading it. Yeah. And uh, God is so stinking awesome and so reliable mm-hmm. that you will not be alone. 
Well, that's my takeaway. I take that. That's mine. I love that. And and that's what I love most about God. I was thinking about this with the with the Colbert quote, with the Tolkien quote. You know, what all that seems to have in common in my view, this is my takeaway. Mm-hmm. What does God promise us? Does he promise me abundance? Does he promise me, you know, a hundred years of life? Does he promise me less pain? Does he promise mm-hmm. me no cancer? Here's what he promises me. This I know. He will never leave me. And so what I can know is I'll never be alone. He will comfort. He will strengthen. He will uphold me. He will cry with me. He'll weep with me. Mm-hmm. He will redeem my pain. He will turn ashes into beauty. And he will change mourning into joy. This is what God does. And he does it really well. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. I, I trust that. I've experienced yeah. it. And, uh, and so that he does it so well that you might say the punishments of God, give it to me one more time. (laughs) What punishments of God are not gifts are not gifts. The gift is the redemption and beauty he offers through it. You know, you could talk all day about whether that's actually punishment from God or discipline or just Mm -hmm. God's presence in your pain, but, but but the the good, yeah, that gift part, the gift part, that's money in the bank right there. That's really awesome. Uh, as always, any views expressed in the podcast are not necessarily <laughs> our own. If you watch that interview and you're like, well, these guys listen to some whack stuff. <laughs> we just thought it was it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but hopefully this uh, this gave you something. If you're like me and then some of the stuff keeps you up every now and again or metaphorically keeps you up. Yeah. Um, then uh, hopefully, hopefully this was of some help. But uh, yeah, we're here every week, Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, there is a tier at Patreon where you get it on uh, Friday instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just check we're us out. Really gra- yeah, we're really grateful really for grateful. your listening. Uh, tell a friend, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, see you guys.